0: Have you ever had a situation in your life where you're just standing on some of God's promises or maybe something that he promised you directly and you're just believing and waiting for God to honor his word and bring that breakthrough? Well, I think whether you're believing for things nationally or whether you're believing for things personally I think we're in a time where standing, and once you've done all that you can to stand, then stand, has never been more real. And so in today's episode, we're gonna talk about how to keep standing when you feel like you have believed and stood with God for these promises and you have not seen the breakthrough yet. I'm excited about some of the stuff the Lord's shown me, so let's dive right in.
1: Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen, with your host, Jenilee Samuel.
0: So I'll need you guys to forgive my voice if I sound a little weird. I'm getting over a cold, <coughs> so I'm just in that dry part of that. And so if I sound funny, I do apologize. But um, okay, so getting into today's episode, I'm super pumped. Right now at this time in our nation, it feels like everybody is believing is is believing God for promises, or whether it's in the nation, I personally am believing for some breakthroughs in our nation. Um, but I'm also believing for stuff personally, promises God's put in my heart. Well, it can be very discouraging. In fact, um, I've mentioned before that I've received so many messages on Facebook from people who are saying, listen, I was believing God for t- to do this in my life or in the nation, and I'm finding that I just, I'm out of encouragement. Like I have no hope. My hope has waned, and I don't know where to look to find some encouragement, and so they'll message me. And I'm like, well, my goodness, let me build your faith a little bit. And, and listen, I feel like every time we have a word from the Lord, whether it's from Scripture, something He's spoken to your heart, or a promise He's given you for a situation. Listen, in the, in the parable in the New Testament about the seeds, um, the different kinds of seeds that are sown, it says that testing comes because of the word. So when you have a word that's been given to you by God for a situation, testing will come because of that word. In other words, it's kind of like this. In nature, when a seed is sown into the ground, there's all kinds of hardship that that seed will go through to vet out the bad seed and the good seed. The seed that is incomplete or might produce a um, jacked up tree and then seed that is actually solid in fact our human bodies do that too like the the female body um like the sperm before it fertilizes the egg the sperm has to go okay I did not expect to go here already this fast in the episode so (laughs) java would done we keep it real right um but the sperm has to go through seriously like an obstacle course to actually get to the egg. And the reason the body does that is because it's vetting out and it's, it's trying to kill off any weak sperm or anything that would cause um, a pregnancy that would be um, unhealthy. And so nature does that. Well, the seed of the word of God that's sown into your heart, it actually goes through the same process. Okay, I had this epiphany as it's coming out of my mouth. So that's pretty great. Um, the seed literally that happens in our hearts, the seed is tested. The word of God is tested and scripture talks all about that, um, in various places, but I really want to get into these things that I've noticed. Okay. So I want to get into a few examples. If you're standing a belief, believing for a promise, you will inevitably come to the point where you will feel like you need to give up. On what you're believing for, or not that you need to, you will feel like you don't know how to keep standing. You will feel like you don't know if you have any hope left, or you will feel like, I don't know that I actually heard God right. Did God really promise me that? God, have you failed me? Are you going to show up? All of those questions will come up. Now, let me encourage you with one thing. The fact that you have those questions does not mean that you are full of unbelief unbelief i believe is when we act on unbelief okay you can have faith but listen if faith is not faith without works then unbelief is not unbelief without works okay so if you man i'm preaching good already i did not expect all this okay here we go if you uh if you are believing for something and you work through these thoughts of where is god did you not say this did i hear you wrong are you going to show up that is, that is the, in my opinion, that is the growing pains of your faith being stretched. Now, what determines whether you have an unbelieving heart or a faith-filled heart is what you do at that point. Do you choose to say, you know what, God? Regardless, I'm gonna continue to believe you. Well, then you, oops, then you have faith. Are you gonna continue to walk in a way that affirms faith, even if you're not sure where your answer's coming from? Or are you going to then choose to abandon the plan and follow unbelief? Your actions matter, right? Okay, so let me see. Where am I going with that? That was so good already. I'm ministering to myself, people. Um, Okay, so it's kind of like this. Whenever I had all my babies, I had them all at home. And they say I was reading books before I had my deliveries, of course. And the books, they say that a woman always hits this point right before she delivers her baby, she gets to this point where she says, I don't think I can do this. I can't do this. She hits this wall of not believing she can make it to the finish line. And it always struck me as so interesting. Why would that be a part of the process? But it always stuck with me as a picture for the journey of our faith as well, because it did not fail. In fact, there there was one time that, um, we were having one of our babies. My husband was delivering and I was, you know, breathing through contractions. And I looked at my husband and I said, babe, and I believed every word I was saying. I said, babe, I don't have the strength to continue. I cannot, I don't think I can deliver this baby. And then the person that was there attending was in the living room. And I think it might've been our, our, uh, our birth attendant. She kind of chuckled, and I said, why do you laugh? And she goes, honey, because you say that in every delivery right before the baby comes, you are about to have a baby, girl. And I was like, what? And so whenever I would recognize this is how you feel right before delivery, it became such a mile marker for me. Okay, hang in there, just give it another go. And, and because I, of course, you can't quit in the middle of having a baby. Um, because I didn't quit, of course, we'd have the baby. Now, in real life, When you're believing God for a promise, listen, that seed of faith inside of you will be tested. James 1, 2 through 4. Okay, I have this verse memorized, but my brain is not working. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So listen, unless your faith is tested, you will not develop the perseverance needed to stand until the end, right? Then it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. So listen, a lot of people think that when they ask themselves and they go through that wrestling season, that wrestling struggle, God, are you gonna show up? God, did you really say this? God, was I wrong? God, where are you? People think that's unbelief. But listen, that's not unbelief. That is your faith reaching the end of itself. But that is where you begin to stretch your faith into perseverance. And when you get into perseverance, it will finish its work. God will show up. Perseverance must, when you have stood, then continue to stand. In Ephesians, it talks about this. In Ephesians 6. So that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. It is essential. Why? Because here's here's why I think that we must be... Why does our faith and perseverance... Why is that connected to us being mature and complete, not lacking anything? Here's why I think. Because we live in a natural world where the truth actually comes from a spiritual realm. The Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. In this world, we operate by sight, but we are training ourselves to operate by faith. And so what you're born into is sight first, faith second. But as a Christian, you are training yourself to operate faith first, sight second. You're inverting it. And so in order to invert that and become mature spiritually, you have to flip it where your faith becomes your strongest muscle, not your sight. And so your faith must be tested so that you may produce perseverance. And perseverance, I think, is the ability to walk by faith, knowing the assurance of what is hoped for, inside your heart regardless what the circumstances around you look like okay hope i'm not losing anybody okay so perseverance is essential for your maturity as a believer to be someone who's led by their spirit and not by their flesh the flesh being your natural senses the spirit being what god the spirit of god is saying inside of you so in your situation Listen, as spiritual beings, we are meant to live from the kingdom of God into earth. That means I am meant to live with an aware... Y'all, I, didn't, I did not think through all of this. This is all coming on the spot and I'm ministering to myself while I'm talking to you. This is fresh stuff. I'm so excited. But we're, we're kingdom people and we are meant to live but from the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of earth. Which means I have to live with an awareness... And this is what we are all growing in. This is the process of sanctification, which is becoming more and more like Jesus. And becoming like Jesus means I'm learning how to operate like Jesus did. Jesus was a kingdom man. He was aware of God's kingdom first, and he pulled that kingdom down into the earth, into his natural reality. His life was such a testament of that. So as a mature believer... In Romans 8, it says that, the, or Romans 14 maybe, it says that those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Those of us who are going to be mature sons of God, hearing the voice of God, we are in this journey of learning to live aware of the, the spiritual kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, And pulling that into this natural world. That's why God said you're to go about making disciples, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. You cannot do those things if you're living natural man first. You can only do those things if you're living kingdom man first. So whatever your situation that is that you're believing God for, I want you to understand you did not hear him wrong by when you get to that point of is it ever going to happen? You did not hear him wrong, most likely. Most likely what it is, is your faith is now, every time you have a promise you're standing for, you're gonna reach the end of your faith. Just kind of like my boys are growing and they literally, their feet will peel because as they're growing, the skin, I guess on their feet, as their feet grow, they literally grow out of their skin. It's so weird, it's like their little lizards um and so but it's but to me it's this great picture of like they're literally growing out of their old skin they're expanding beyond it and so as gross of analogy as that is um your faith is kind of like that you you will almost like a balloon you'll expand into whatever your level of faith is but then you've got to expand beyond that to grow and mature into a another level of faith So you're going to always feel that struggle and that tension. That struggle and tension is not unbelief. That struggle and tension is your faith is growing. And what are you going to do at that point? Listen, wrestle through the thoughts, wrestle through the feelings, because in those moments is when you're going to confront maybe lies you've been believing about God, lies you've been believing about if he loves you or not. Um, places and areas where you didn't trust God fully. That's where you're going to begin to come face-to-face with those things that actually limit your faith. You're going to face on with them, face first, head down, just go in and go at it. And then once you work those things through, you will find new territory of faith that you can expand into. So, let me give you an example. A uh, beautiful thing about how God works about our faith. I have found that even in my moments of discouragement, the Lord will come along my alongside my faith to build my faith. And so, I feel like as in generally, I don't know if I don't know if I have a gift of faith, but I feel like my whole life I have been it's been very easy for me to believe God for whatever he tells me. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that I never struggle at some point with what I'm believing for, how it's going to happen or whatever. But there is one epiphany that came that that I had that finally really helped me um, expand my faith even further. so let me give you this example. So I was believing for a certain outcome in our nation, uh not even politically I mean yes, it affected po- politics, but it was more about justice and righteousness being established and um evil horrific deeds done in darkness to be, um, held accountable. And I've been praying for months and months and months, honestly, years about this. Well, there came about a, um, uh, a resolution in on the national front that was different than I expected. And it really, really saddened my heart. Um, because on the, on the surface, it looked like God had abandoned what he told us. However, I went into prayer and I said, God, what about all of our prayers? What about our faith? What about the children? What about the sex trafficking? What about the victims? What about the greed and the and the horrible things that are being done? Have you not heard us? We're crying out for righteousness to be established. We're crying out for justice. And um, as I poured out my heart and I was kind of broken for a moment, I was like, God, did you not hear us? Like, I really believe you're going to show up. Did you not hear us? And I realized in that moment, My faith struggled because, A, my belief was on a specific outcome or a way of getting to that outcome, rather. And so when that outcome didn't play out like I expected it would, my faith struggled. So then I stepped back, got some perspective, and the Lord had a friend call me. And she heard me, she heard the tears in my voice, and she said, "Ah." I understand. I had that day yesterday. And so she just began to speak life into me and show me what the Lord had been speaking to her. And I'm telling you, it was like getting a shot in the arm and someone blowing air back into me and poof, I was, I was in faith again. And I was like, yes, you're right. God is not done. I just had my eyes on the wrong thing. I had my eyes on how this is going to play out versus that God is going to make it play out, you know? And so I was able to come along into. Um, back into faith, which brings me to this principle epiphany that I had from the word that helped me understand sometimes, let's say you get a prophetic, let's say you get a word that God is going to heal your knee. Or here's another example. Um, I had been believing for dental work for God to heal my wisdom teeth that were coming in. And I was this was years back. I was refusing to go to the dentist because I knew God could heal me. I didn't want to go to the dentist. I just wanted the Lord to heal me. Well, finally, after quite a few years of struggling with this dental work, it was so much pain that I finally was like, screw it, I'm going to the dentist. But before I decided that, I had gotten a word from a a friend of ours who's a prophet. He'd ministered over my family to me. He was going to walk away. I was laid out on the floor. He comes back to me and he goes, oh, by the way, there's something else. He said, God said it's something about your dental work. He's going to take care of it. And so I was like, what? And so I was like, okay, God, you're going to take care of it. Well, so I got that word. Not only was I believing for it, which I believe my belief is what pulled down that promise from the Lord. The Lord never spoke to me initially. Hey, let me handle your dental work. It was just something I chose to believe for because I know God's able, right? Well, then when God released that promise to me through the prophet, which was a total confirmation because he did not know what I was believing for, then my faith was totally recharged. And I was like, okay, but you notice there's no how-to in this. So finally, when my dental work is bothering me so bad I can't stand it anymore, I go to the dentist, and honestly, I was a little deflated. I was like, God, man. You didn't show up i'm having to go to the dentist and i was believing you for a miracle man this sucks but i was thankful for the dentist whatever well then i get the dental work done it's a lot it's like major and a couple weeks later we get a notice that said that the dentist forgave all of our bills attached to my dental work like forgave it, it was like thousands of dollars he just forgave it and i thought oh my gosh God did take care of my dental work. He took care of it financially. (laughs) I had all my imaginations on that he's going to take care of it this way, but God still took care of it. He took care of it financially. So what I'm saying is sometimes our faith will falter because we will get our eyes on the how that God is going to do it, not realizing it's not your job to figure out how God is going to fulfill this promise. It is our job is simply to believe that he is able To fulfill his promise. In Hebrews, it talks about Sarah. And it says Sarah was considered a woman of faith. Let me actually look it up right here real quick. Um, Hebrews 11. Okay, faith is Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham. Okay, 11.11. It says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age. So she's like, I don't know how you're going to do this was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. That's all. Sarah didn't say, I know how God's going to do this. He's going to renew my youth and make me young again and give me new organs. And then he's going to, she didn't get all caught up on that. In fact, she probably spent a lot of years wrestling over that and then decided it's not worth the energy. I haven't figured this out. It's been 13 years, whatever, God, I know you're able to do your thing. You know what I mean? But I love that Hebrews 11 says, Sarah considered God faithful who had promised. Like he was able to do that which he promised. And so many times when I am believing God for a promise and I'm struggling through it, like so for this this national example, everything didn't play out like I expected. And you know what my posture became? I said, you know what, Lord, forgive me for getting my eyes on the process Instead of keeping my eyes on you, you are the miracle giver. And so I just, the rest of that day, man, I just like, literally it was like worship. It was like, I was loving on the Lord. I just said, God, I love you. And I know you're able. I know you're able for whatever it counts. God, I know you are stinking able. You're so able. You are able to do this. You are able to bring justice and hold the wicked accountable. And so whenever you're believing God for a promise, if your faith is struggling for that promise because a lot of times for whatever reason maybe because our brain tries to fill in the gaps we think it's our job to figure out how God's going to do it that is not your job and in fact that might injure your faith if you start to try to figure out how God's going to do it because read the Bible when does God ever do it in a predictable way (laughs) that's kind of what makes him so great is he's so unpredictable When Moses and the Israelites were standing at the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is charging at them, the Israelites, I guarantee you, never thought to themselves, hmm, wouldn't it be great if the sea split right here? In fact, I just heard recently there was an earthquake that caused such a strong effect. That's what naturally caused the the Red Sea to part. It was from an earthquake, but it was God's hands caused all of it. Anyways, they didn't think that they didn't think, oh, God's going to split the sea that we're good. We're good. I've got faith. God's going to split the sea. No, they're like the army is right there and they're going (laughs) to trample us or we're going to drown in the sea, you know. So that brings me to this next point. I wanted to look at three examples of situations in scripture where people did not stand in faith and three examples of those who did and there are character characterizing qualities that caused people to not stand and characterizing qualities that caused people to stand so people that did not stand saul and the army so samuel and saul samuel was the prophet that anointed saul to become king saul was king and he had led his men into an army. Samuel said, I need to go and get something for the sacrifice or whatever. I'll be right back. Do not offer, do not make any, I don't know why Samuel left. I forgot, but Samuel went off and said, do not make this, the sacrifice and the offering, the burnt offering unto the Lord until I get there. Well, Saul is waiting on Samuel, and Samuel's taking a while, and you know they don't have cell phones to text and be like, hey, when are you going to get here? <laughs> and so Saul's just waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, the Bible says that the men began to grumble among themselves and complain because they were getting restless. So Saul is caught now. He's caught between wait on the prophet because Saul's probably thinking, what if something happened to Samuel? What if he's not going to show up? Now I've got these guys who are going to abandon me. And then he's got his army who's starting to complain and he's literally looking at potentially an insurrection where these guys are going to rise up against him because he's not doing anything. And so Saul felt compelled and so he offered the sacrifice. Well, as he's offering the sacrifice, Samuel arrives and Samuel says, what have you done? You have done a wicked thing before the Lord. You did not wait for me to come. You did not follow the command and instruction of the Lord. And he said, now the Lord says that he is grieved and he regrets causing you to be king. And so you will lose your throne. And so Saul, in his moment of refusing to obey the prophet, lost his, the anointing and the calling on his life. Um. Or rather, lost his lost his responsibility that God had called him to to be king of the Israelites. And so in that moment, it was the fear of man that caused Saul to abandon his faith, the fear of man. Right now, nationally, we're seeing a lot of prophets recanting their prophetic words. I think some of it may be fear of man. I can't speak for all of them. I'm not going to judge their hearts, but I'm saying it's possible. It could be fear of man. We've seen it in scripture, maybe happening right now. They're getting ahead of, I think they're getting ahead of God's timeline. Okay, so another example of someone who did not believe was Abraham when he was given the promise of Isaac. Okay, Abraham spent so much time trying to figure out, he got into human reasoning. Abraham, after quite a few years, said, man, how is God going to do this? God hasn't done this yet. And so maybe I just need to have, um, maybe it was Sarah that was saying that. Oh, it was Sarah. I think it was Sarah. They said, how's God going to do this? And so I'll have Abraham sleep with um, Hagar, my handmaiden, and maybe the the promise will come through her. And so she ends up doing that. And then Ishmael is born. And then Sarah immediately hates Hagar because, of course, she's she's tried to manhandle the promise of God and so it caused her to have resentment because of course she wanted to be the one that the lineage of God is going to come through and you know what I mean so it just it messed things up well Abraham and Sarah they got into human reasoning Abraham of course he's like sure I'll sleep with whoever you know like stupid (laughs) man hold on to your promise and don't listen to your wife she's being emotional (laughs) she's probably PMSing or something um but anyway so Abraham and Sarah both got into human reasoning My kids do this. When I give them instructions and I find they get into reasoning, I'll ask them, why did you disobey? And they're like, well, because I thought this and this. And I figured if this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And so that's why I did this. And I'm like, you realize you got into human reasoning. And your human reasoning led you away from what my voice said to do. Your human reasoning did not help you, my son. (laughs) You should have just clung to my instructions regardless. And that's what Abraham and Sarah did here. And we have Ishmael as a result, which is the whole um, Palestinian side that are always at war with the Israelites. It has always been through all of time that Palestinians are the descendants of Ishmael and the Israelites are the descendants of Isaac. And they are still at war. They have always been at war. And it is because of this. Okay. Abraham and Sarah got into human reasoning. Saul with his men, he got into fear of man. Okay. This other one is Elijah. In the Old Testament, Elijah had just killed all the prophets of Baal, and King Je- or Queen Jezebel and King Ahab were, were responsible for all those p- false prophets. And so Elijah, he's like feeling bold and empowered. He just slaughtered all these prophets. He says to Jezebel, God is going to throw you down and you will be eaten by dogs. And she turns around and she says, see to it that if by, the, if by the end of the day you are not dead and blah, blah, blah. She curses him and says all kinds of nasty things. Well, for whatever reason, probably because this is how the spirit of Jezebel works, Elijah was struck with fear and intimidation. And he suddenly fled and ran to the desert. He kept running and he began to have a pity party out there. Woe is me. I'm the only one. I'm all by myself. He ran and you know what? An angel showed up and fed him. I don't know if it was for one day or for three days. He fed him and fed him and fed him, and and then he said, "What are you doing here? Why you are crying?" And Elijah said, "Because I'm the only one." He continued to throw a pity party, and then the the um, the angel said to him, "Because you have you because you have taken such a position, then you 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 are going to be giving your mandate your mantle to somebody else. You've you basically you're not going to finish out the assignment." And so because Elijah submitted to intimidation to under a Jezebel spirit, he actually ended up having to pass his prophetic mantle to Elisha and Elijah was not able to finish. And it was Elisha who ended up killing Jezebel or, or actually Elisha commanded her servants, threw her off the thing and then dogs ate her. These stories in the Bible are so like graphic. They're so graphic. I'm like, What? Anyways. Okay. So if you'll notice Saul, he submitted to the fear of man. Abraham and Sarah submitted to human reasoning. And then Elijah submitted submitted to intimidation. Let me just say right now, we're seeing all these things in operation in our nation. The fear of man with the mask, you go in public and people like, look at you weird. And some people will yell at you and call you inconsiderate and all this crazy stuff. Human reasoning, a lot of I've seen some of the prophets that were like, Hey, this is what's going to happen in our nation. And then they're backpedaling and they're like, actually just kidding. I think I missed that. And, you know, honestly, I really feel like for some of them, that's just part of their journey to humble themselves publicly is, is probably an important part of the process, but human reasoning will never serve us and cause us to walk in alignment with what God is saying. Human reasoning will take us outside of what God is saying. Um, Because Jesus didn't lean into his human reasoning. In fact, Proverbs says, um, do not lean on your own understanding, but in everything acknowledge him, which means know God intimately, and he will direct your paths. So there is, the, the priority is not human reasoning. The priority is intimacy with God, and he will straighten out what you need to be thinking, seeing, and understanding about the situation, okay? And so I will say that there are some, well, I won't get into that. Okay, so here are some three people who did stand and what caused them to stand. Okay, so you have Joshua and Caleb who were part of the Israelites. Um, when, uh, when Moses was bringing the Israelites, took them through the wilderness. They were getting to the promised land, right? Well, it took them 40 years because they got stuck in the wilderness because they were complaining and complaining and making idols and complaining, right? Well, Joshua and Caleb were, were young boys when they first started their journey. Well, they were grown men by the time they arrive at the promised land. Well, when they get to the promised land, they sent a team of 10 spies to go ahead and scout out the promised land because there was giants that lived in the land. And so they were supposed to dispossess the land so that they could own it. They were supposed to chase out the people that lived there and possess the land. These 10 spies go ahead and they take their secret place and they look and they check it all out. When they come back, the report they gave was, there's giants in the land. And they're, and they're um, you know, they're, what was big as grass, grasshoppers? Grasshoppers were big. I don't remember how, I don't remember the thing about the grasshoppers. But it was something about everything's really big. Everything's intimidating. Everything is scary. Well, Joshua and Caleb were like, not so much. Our God can take them. They saw it through the lens of, God is capable of this we can take them. We can take this. In fact, their fruit is so great. Look at what we're going to inherit. So they Joshua and Caleb had eyes of faith. They didn't see the obstacles, they saw the opportunity. Whereas the other eight spies saw the obstacles. They saw the problems. And so one thing this tells me is that people who have a, a heart of faith are looking for what God can do in the situation, not for what God cannot do or what the enemy is doing. Okay, so one way to protect your posture of faith and that seed of faith inside of you is be looking and watching for what God is doing. Don't be paying attention to what the enemy is doing. We know he's doing stuff, but it's all rooted in lies anyways. See what God is doing and keep your focus on what God is doing. Even though there's a lot of crap going on in the nation right now, I have continued to say this is the most exciting time to be alive because I firmly believe that God is about to show up in the most phenomenal way in our nation and in the world. I am so expectant in my spirit. I can see it. I can taste it. I can smell it. I'm so excited, right? I'm looking for what God is doing. And that has protected the seeds of faith inside of me. Okay, another example of those who did stand. Now, Abraham, he reconciled. His pattern, he started out, Isaac and Ishmael, created an Ishmael. Well, he finally figured it out. God finally gave him Isaac. I think he learned from his mistake. But then, so when God said, Abraham, I need you to sacrifice your son, Isaac, as a test of if Abraham's heart was true to him, Abraham had learned something in those years because he did it. He didn't kill his son, but he took his son and he was prepared to offer him as a sacrifice. He trusted God to fulfill his promise. He said, you know what? I'm not going to try to figure out how you're going to do this. All I know is you brought that son that I didn't think you'd bring. I tried to fix it for you, and I created an Ishmael, which made, you know, kind of a mess of your plans. Not that Ishmael was bad. Bless you, Ishmael, but... That wasn't God's plan, right? He said, when I tried to figure it out, I used human reasoning. I screwed things up. So I'm going to stay away from human reasoning. And I'm just going to trust that you're going to fulfill your promise. And I'm going to obey you. And then we know the story. Some of you, some of you don't. When Isaac or when Abraham was about to, he had put Isaac, bound him up and put him up on the altar. He was going to sacrifice him. An angel appeared, grabbed him by the hand, stopped him. He said, you have shown God that you hold nothing above him. He is your, he's your one and only. And so they provided an animal in the bush to be the sacrifice. I, Abraham learned. He learned to get away from human reasoning And to just trust the Lord for his promise. So if we can also learn the same thing. Stay away from human reasoning. But instead, stay, keep your heart, your ear to the heart of the father. The father said, Abraham, you will have many sons. You will be a father of nations. So Abraham said, you know what? If God said it, it's his responsibility to do it. I'm going to trust him. Lastly, Sarah. Oh, yeah. Sarah knew God was able. That was the same situation. Um. The word in us will always be tested. But the Bible says, when I come, will I find faith in the earth? And let me just wrap all this up with this. If we, I believe more than ever, especially when times are challenging, our ability to hold on to, I believe you, God, I believe you're able, and I believe you're going to because I know you're just and you're good and you're promised and all this. To me, that is speaking God's love language. Hebrews also says that it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Listen, that means with faith, it is impossible to displease him. When you have faith and you're like, God, I know you're able. I may not know how you're going to do it, but I know you're able. Then God is pleased. God is so pleased with that. Listen, it's okay in your journey to take a pit stop for a faith fill-up. Listen, you're going to need faith fill-ups. God is eager and ready and willing to bring the word of truth to you that will build your faith. The word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That actually means the spoken rhema revelation word of God. That means when your faith is struggling, you need to get alone with God and you need to hear from him, right? So it's okay to get a faith fill up. It's okay to take a pit stop and say, Lord, I need some encouragement because my faith is struggling, but I want to believe. I want to continue to believe and he will come alongside you and he will build your faith. For me, in situations that has also meant he'll send someone to call me or to say, hey, you've been on my heart. I just need to speak some truth into you. Or when I was crying that morning and my friend called me and she just began to pour into me what God had poured into her. But you know what? She is someone that was part of my community that I surrounded myself with on purpose. I surround myself with faith people. If you're someone who is not a faith person, we are probably never going to be best friends. Because I surround myself with people of faith and hope and of love and all of those wonderful things that please God. Because I want to be someone who pleases God. And I know that sometimes when I falter, I need people around me to help challenge me to continue on in this good In this in this faith walk. Okay. So community matters. Surround yourself with people who will fill up your faith. Um now listen to me. If you're gonna surround yourself with people who will fill your faith, they also will need your faith at times. So make sure that you are not just a place of need, but you're also a resource of faith for others. I'm grateful that my friends call me and message me on Instagram and and Facebook and call and they say, Listen, I need encouragement, I need my faith built up. And I say, you got it. And I send them all the stuff I've got. And I tell them what the Lord's been speaking to me. And I tell them what God is saying. I build their faith. Listen, you need to be a place of resource as well as um, surround yourself with people who will speak into you when you need it. Okay? And then thirdly, you need to guard what voices are coming in. Human reasoning is a voice that comes in through through life. Okay? Human reasoning. That's called humanism, actually, is, is where we build around just humanistic thinking. Um, You need to guard the voices that are built around lies. I actually intentionally have tuned out mainstream media during this time because mainstream media is actually built with an agenda. They have a voice. They have a message they're trying to propagate, and it is not the voice that God, it is not in step with what God is saying. And so I have intentionally tuned out the voices of mainstream media and any people. In fact, there's people of influence in my life who faith, faith faith-based influence who, um, They're faith-based leaders in my life, but for whatever reason in this area, they have a lot of unbelief. And so you know what? I don't even discuss these things I'm believing for. I don't even discuss it with them because I don't want them to be like those eight spies who told me about the giants in the land. I want Joshua and Caleb to be around me so they can tell me what God is able to do once we get into the promised land, right? I need people who are going to remind me the promised land is still mine to inherit, So as you're contending for those promises, as you're contending for maybe what God would do in this nation, what God would do in your family, what God would do in your marriage, what God would do in your kid's life. Listen, if your faith is faltering, you need to get around prophetic people who genuinely hear the voice of God and can come alongside and confirm what God is speaking to you. You need to spend time in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Get in the word of God. You need to get in worship. When you get in worship and you get in that place where you're in God's presence and suddenly his greatness and his magnitude is all you can see, you realize the not the insignificance of your situation, but the smallness in comparison to his greatness. You realize, oh my gosh, he is so able to handle this, okay? You need to get around community and faith-based people. And do not be afraid, do not be discouraged that you need to take a pit stop To boost your faith because listen, this journey is about your faith growing and expanding. You will reach the end of your faith every time you're believing for a promise. God will bring you to the end of your faith on purpose. It's kind of like a border. He will bring you to the border of your faith so that you can stretch and grow into and expand into further faith. And in that place is where you will confront the lies that have kept you. From believing for more. You will confront the mentalities that have gotten in your way and kept you from having more of God. But ultimately, if you continue, if you contend with God and you persist and act upon faith, listen, if you're struggling and wavering between unbelief and faith, if in doubt, always choose to act upon faith. And if you literally don't know what else to do, just put your heart and mind on, God, I know you're able and I'll camp out right there. Call to memory all the things, all the times where God has proven faithful in your life. Call them to memory. God is able. He will show up in your situation. Build your faith. Because again, this isn't just about your situation for God. This is about you becoming like Christ. This is about you growing into the full maturity that God has for you. This is about you expanding and not being a um by sight and then faith person this is about you growing into a by faith and then sight person faith first sight second right that's not natural to our human selves so god is expanding you and making you into a son of god who lives kingdom minded like jesus did here on the earth your faith must grow your faith must expand all right, I hope this was not too all over the place. I was very excited. I was preaching to myself, building my own spirit up, but I hope this was encouraging to you. If you appreciated this message, please do me a favor and share it with a friend because if nothing else, at this time, I think everybody needs a little bit of encouragement. Okay, I love you guys. Thank y'all again for all of your support. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with javawithjen, one N, and send messages Please, if you're listening to an episode, screenshot it and show it up, throw it up in your stories and and tag me and I'll reshare that. But that is such an encouragement. Also, if you would, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, go on iTunes or wherever you listen and would you rate and review the show? When you do that, it actually causes it to come up higher in search results and more people find the show and they join our community and the word goes out further. So super helpful, super encouraging for me and with all of that said, you guys have a wonderful week.
1: I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.